I loved seeing the notification for this episode pop up on my phone. They're like, Brittany, in 30 minutes you have baby killer. (laughs) It's like, oh, great. I forgot. I've already forgotten what episode of ours this is. So I was like, oh, God, I'm not going to get fancy. Is it episode 30? It might be 30 now, which is kind of I like how our 30th episode we're like, ew. I don't even want to be here. I want to be here, but I don't want to be discussing what I'm going to discuss. Also, we missed it, but our uh, it's our one year of release as of this month. Yeah, even it was my half birthday, so of course that's what I focused on. I was like, "Mm, my half birthday, and then a few days later, I was like, and your podcast's one year release anniversary. I'm kind of glad we didn't remember because I feel like if we had remembered or at least told each other about it sooner, we would have felt the need to like do something for it. Yeah. And it's just I'm glad we didn't put that on ourselves. I'm glad that we just let ourselves be sick. In honor of our 30th episode, we're going to do an episode for you. Yeah. And that's kind of all we can say about it. because (laughs) This episode's really depressing. Um, Covers like important subject matter, but and it's not a bad episode in no, that it does i don't know there's only a few lines that i'm like that was poorly written it's well written and well acted it's just like oh they cover several important topics in this episode but oh. like don't have the mm. time to really elaborate yeah. on any and yeah it wasn't actually you're right it like for me it was very law and ordery like like in my memory <laughs> because let me tell you how shocked i was when we came across the fucking you know Russian love poem of it all. I was like, wait, what happened to the dignified show that We're I remember? Hitting important topics. Because this guy's just drunk and yelling. This guy's talking about how he was listening to his cousin fucker boyfriend. Oh my gosh. Justice for that guy. Like he got injustice. I'm like, justice for him. Anyhow, this episode had a lot of dignity into it in it, but it was just so all the subject matter is a bummer. It points out a lot of really Still very relevant problems. Oh, you could show this episode today, and as, as long as you updated some of the wardrobe and some of the tech, you could release this episode now, and people would be like, oh, yeah, of course. Down to the dialogue. Down to the last line uh, of the show. I was going to say. <laughs> I got chills when he said that. I was like, oh, my God. Me too. I was like, and then I had to Google it to make sure that I wasn't crazy. I was like, am I, like, pretending that this is what it is? And then I'm like, no, that's exactly no. what it is. I'm like, should we get into it or should we talk about how I don't think the Barbie movie should have been nominated for any Oscars? So because I'm not like a big movie watcher, I'm sitting here like if I ran the Oscars, how bad they would be. They'd be like Scream 4 or no, Scream 4 is nominated because Britney forgot it was just called Scream. So we're just, it's Scream 4 from like 2014 is nominated because she got confused Haunting in Venice would get nominated for a movie I saw. <laughs> it would not win any true awards. A movie I saw. So what? what is the other? No, no. It's just a movie that I saw. It's a movie I saw. I, I can't give it a good award because it wasn't good. that good. Yeah. But I could give it the award for movie. I went to the theaters to watch it. I saw Mean Girls. The Oh, wait. No, I saw that this year. So that's out of the running. Oh, God, this is baby killer. (sighs) It is episode five of season two. Original air day is November 17th, 2000. Directed by Juan Jose Campanella. 
and special guest appearance. Oh, should we wait? You know what? That might be fun for everyone to find out in the moment. <laughs> that is so funny because so Paige and I have discussed that we kind of changed up our note taking for this episode. I thought I'd change things up and put guest stars at the top. Oh, do it. I normally introduce them as they arrive. But we have, is it LaChance? Is that how she says her name? It's LaChance. She won a Tony for her role in The Color Purple. She was the voice actress for one of the muses in um, the 1997 Hercules movie. Oh, oh my God. Thank you for your contribution. I know. I was, I got that. That was what I was the most excited about. I was like, oh, she was one of the muses. Duh. The best part. I love that fucking part. Well, well all I the parts. I love that movie. Um, Sarah Ramirez is here as Mrs. Barrera. Uh, they are most famous for their role on Grey's Anatomy. And then very recently for their portrayal of Che Diaz and on Just Like That. Nothing against Sarah Ramirez. Just Che Diaz is awful. Hey, it's Che Diaz. I think I don't even think we have to like if you have seen that show or even heard anyone talk about it, you know that the- <laughs> everyone hates Che Diaz. As soon as I saw her, my brain immediately went, hey, it's Che Diaz. I will say Sarah Ramirez uses they them pronouns. Um, however... The character Mrs. Barrera would not. Yes. So we are going to be using the character's pronouns. Um, and then we have Josh Pace returning as defense attorney Robert Sorensen. And then Carolyn McCormick as Dr. Elizabeth Olivet. And I pause because I'm like, oh, is she related to like Maureen McCormick from the Brady Bunch? That would be cool. That would be cool. Is it? I guess not. No. <laughs> Boo. Here we go. <laughs> Opening scene elementary school playground it's recess time i think and it, well oh, the principal i corrected myself later the principal miss pivik lachance miss pivik the principal is watching the kids play and just overseeing operations of the schoolyard etc she looks over to the fence and she sees two little boys seven years old talking to these older teenagers on the other side of the fence so she approaches them all four of them and tells the little boys to step away from the fence go back and play Then she turns to the teens and tells them to get away. I wrote the fence so many times. Get away from the fence. Go toward the fence. The fence is very pivotal. It is pivotal. In this episode. It is. It was the starting point for all of this. She's like, hey, get away from here. And one of them says, what, bitch? And then she just takes out her walkie-talkie and starts to call somebody, presumably for help, to have the teens removed. And then just at the same time, we hear a gunshot and all the kids start screaming. Mrs. Pivik turns around frantically. She sees one of the students, a little girl, laying motionless on the ground. She runs over to the little girl and picks her up, and she sees blood and begins to call for help, but it's a completely empty playground now. Cut to the station. Cragen hangs up the phone and looks at the squad, very somber. So just a reminder, the squad now consists of Elliot and Olivia, Munch, and then Finn Tutuola, who is, you're right, Brittany, he is just taken to, he and Munch, I'm wondering if they were trying to do a Men in Black thing. Because it was around the time that Men in Black came out. Because Munch kind of looks like Tommy Lee Jones. And they have them both in these ridiculous suits all the time. And then Ellie and Olivia are just in like... Elliot's like schlubbing it. He's yeah. like barely a step up from that time he looked like he was going to a Jimmy Buffett concert. Right. Like he, he does like a normal suit. And then these guys are like, no, we're like FBI agents. Well, you know, maybe it's just... Maybe it was in Richard Belzer's claws. Because they always had Monique in a vest. So... Mm. They're like, whoever is paired up with this man has to be in, a, in some version of a suit. <laughs> he takes this very seriously. Oh, wait, but later he's paired with Rollins, I think. Oh, God, sloppy Rollins. She's like, 
that woman would wear like an express blouse and then just like it would be untucked and wrinkled and she'd be like what's going on they're like Rollins are you drunk or gambling what is her problem she's a gambler uh, she, she's a gambling addiction and it's like so bad that she like almost like loses her job <laughs> she, and her sister's like a meth addict oh, Kim Kim Rollins <laughs> fucking Kim Rollins ugh yeah, Craig turns to the squad and he tells them that there was a shooting at PS something or other and they had the shooter in custody and they want SVU to work with the shooter. Brass. Brass has asked this. I, right? That's who tells them what to do. Brass. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Well, he's always on the phone with Brass. With Brass. Brass is like made up so that like Craig can be like, we have to do this because the Brass told me. And he's like, it's really what I want. But yeah, the Brass said... The brass thinks that SVU would be better equipped to deal with this particular shooter. And Stabler goes, bring on the pervert. (laughs) So the doors open behind them and in walks an adorable, sweet baby angel seven-year-old boy. Oh my gosh, he is so cute. So, and, so I thought he was another kid from Teen Wolf, the newer, the newer one. And I looked him up. It's not. But oh my God, this kid grew up to be such a dime. Did you see him? Oh, he's so handsome. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was taken aback. I was like, oh, my God. And he's a really good child actor. He, he kind of pulled a Wilson Germain Heredia on us. I was like, how are you so good at pausing and gulping? That's the big shocker. I'm a little more shocked that <laughs> I'm a little more shocked that in this universe, <laughs> Stabler thought that a pedophile shot up a school. That's not really their MO. Yeah, I was like, it's just like a generally like a, a bad person that does that, not yeah, it's usually another kid. Very actually, I'm not standing up for adults because I would never. But normally, adults don't like do that in schools. There's like one I know. So the detectives are now observing the boy from outside this. It's not the interview room, but he's got like little toy dinosaurs and he's playing with them. And Olivia's like, "Wow, a cold-blooded killer! Great." So Cragen asks where they are, and the parents both of them called out sick that day, and no one knows where to find them. Munch. Jumping to conclusions like, mm, that explains a lot. Then I have to say he's like the most logical person here. He's like, can you charge a seven-year-old with murder? Which apparently you can. It just makes the cut. Yeah, I didn't know that. I also didn't look it up. I would assume they wouldn't lie about this. But apparently in New York State or some version of it, um, you <laughs> seven-year-olds can go to jail. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know there have been some weird, not weird cases, cases where kids have done really cold-blooded evil stuff and they've not been able to send them to jail there was just a recent one did you hear about the text i think it was texas it was a six-year-old brought a gun to school and shot his teacher like yes oh my gosh in cold blood like it wasn't like you know like oh i look at this fun thing look teacher it was like he brought it pointed at her like meant to shoot and oh yeah. yeah that's a lot yeah that is a lot Ugh, keeping my womb closed. <laughs> Shut down. Because, of course, the mom ended up going to jail, which, like, I understand. But also, I'm like, some kids are just shitty. So this episode is based on a real case where um, a child brought a gun to school and killed a girl. And his mother ended up going to jail, not the child. So two people rush into the bullpen asking for Detective Benson, and they are Mr. and Mrs. Barrera. Again, Mrs. Barrera is played by Sarah Ramirez, and they have been told their son Elias has been involved in a shooting, and they tearfully ask if he's alive. 
This, Olivia's like, this is really awkward. Um, no, he shot somebody else. <laughs> the way she says it is so it's just savage. She's like, I'm sorry for the miscommunication. It's your son that shot everybody. Just the one person. She's like kind of outraged. She's like, oh, excuse me. I don't know. You walk in here. You're thinking that you're not like your kid's the one who did all this. And they're, they're of course, horrified. Stabler asks Mr. Barrera if he owns a gun. I was like, that's a little sexist. Just ask the husband, not the wife. That'd be me. I'd be like, I'm not capable of owning a gun. They're like, is it yours? I'm like, no. No, but you could have asked me. Or does he have access to a gun? And he says, not that he knows of. Elias, which I think we have not said his name before. Elias is the shooter. Elias is only ever at home, at school, or at his sitter's, Mrs. Strada. Which I had to just enunciate that because I thought it was Miss Estrada for a while. No, they euthanized us. They euthanized us on this one again because it. I heard Miss Miss Estrada, which didn't make sense later on. But what people can get divorced. Yeah. And then the whole. And then I looked at when I had the um, subtitles on there. It said Miss Estrada, and I'm like, there as go. a person with a lisp, it's gonna be hard. So Cragen tells them that they would like to talk to Elias, but can't do it without their permission. So they give their permission. They just want to see him and BNS lead them away. And as soon as they're out of earshot, Cragen asks Finn if he's looked into them having a gun license and there are no guns registered in their name. Um, And the serial number on the gun used in the murder has been scratched off. So I'm like, what does it even matter? And how does one scratch off a serial? I'm like, my brain is back in Dirty Harry times. I'm like, isn't it like a fucking metal piece of gun? I know. You can't just scratch it off. Uh, So BNS lead Mr. and Mrs. Barrera into the interview room. Um, They explain that they were at the emergency room with their baby. She was born with respiratory issues. And now they've left her at the hospital to come deal with this. Um, They're giving the appearance that they're like pretty involved, like caring parents. Like we've met plenty of parents who are like, oh, is that what my kid was doing? Whatever. I go home now. So I was just thinking of Wilson Jermaine Heredia's mother who like had like booze and pills in front of her so they could <laughs> make sure we didn't miss that she's a bad mother. <laughs> and just cussing. Or Mrs. Hayes, who who's like, yeah, I haven't seen my daughter in a day. Oh, is she missing? No. No. Don't know where she is, it. but she's not missing. She's 16. Throws the photo album at him. She's like, here you go. You can keep it if you want trying to fuck every single guy that she first of all letting men live with her and then trying to fuck every single one of them yeah great parenting great. over there no but these people like part of the reason they couldn't find them at first they're like where are these people and munch was like meh, meh, meh. it's because they were both at work because they i like they're like in 2000 at least one parent should be home no what are you talking about i know so olivia brings elias into this room where the barreras are and they like run to hug him and then they are told to sit back against the wall while Elias sits across from Elliot, who is so sweet and gentle with him. And he's like, hey, I'm Elliot. I'm just going to ask you a few questions. When Elias speaks, he is very, very soft spoken. So he's asking him some questions. Does he like school? What grade is he in? And then Stabler slowly works him into questions about the shooting. And he asks if Elias knows Carly Jackson. Elias nods yes. So... Elias then explains that he doesn't really care for Carly because she's always bothering him, chasing him, and trying to kiss him. And Stabler's like, okay, well, is that what happened at recess? And Elias is like, well, she fell down. Stabler's like, so uh, what made her fall down? 
And Elias is so cute. He just like is really quiet. And then he's swap. I don't know. He's just such a good actor. He like does this cute little gulp. Well, it's a big gulp, but it was like just like normally I'd be like, ew, stop. But it was like so cute. Then he finally goes to the gun. Um, so Stabler asks who is holding the gun. And instead of answering, Elias asks um, if Carly's going to be okay. Um, Stabler look actually. So Chris Maloney is also really good in this episode because he looks so heartbroken. It was so hot. And he's like, tell me who had the gun. And all Elias is like, I did. You immediately do not get the feeling that this is like some tough, jaded, messed up kid who did this. Right. No, you can tell. You could tell he's like, he feels bad. Yeah. He's having a little boy oh shit moment. Yes. Ugh. So Mr. Barrera stands up suddenly and he's like, we're going to get him a lawyer and tries to pull him out of the room. But Stabler's like, absolutely go get a lawyer. He has to stay here. Um, which they are obviously not happy about, but there's no like fighting about it. They leave. Right. Elias stays in the room killed someone so they, they're thinking yeah. Like, yeah go ahead well i guess i guess if he was six they could have <laughs> i know if he was six he could go go home and i'm like well that sucks so oh, well bye bye good night <laughs> <laughs> done done i think that's it yeah. yes um so we're back at elias's school Funch, Finn, and Munch arrive, and they're wading through this big crowd of reporters uh, because this is a media storm. Obviously, they see Miss Pivik, the principal, looking at this. It's this small memorial that was built on the spot that Carly died on. So macabre, so morbid. I was like, ugh. They approach her and they ask her what Carly and Elias were like individually, and also what their relationship was like. And they asked if she noticed if Carly ever quote picked on Elias. She said no, she never saw anything like that. Carly was super sweet and that Elias is also super sweet and a good student. So in general, no one noticed any red flags about them. The adults, at least. Yeah, she even goes, Elias never even talked in line. Like, he's just a really good, well-behaved kid. So done, done. We go to Mrs. Strada's house. There we go. See, that's what I did. Mrs. Strada's house. Mrs. Strada is Elias' 82-year-old after-school caregiver, babysitter, after-school caregiver. BNS are there, and they walk into her house, and she's telling them, again, what a sweet kid Elias is. Just this nice, good little boy. She never has any trouble with him. They take in the sheer volume of children in this house. There are almost more children in this scene than in the beginning recess scene. There's kids everywhere. I was like, wait, are we at the school still? Because then she goes to a window and looks outside and there's a literal playground filled with children. And Stabler's like, are you watching all these kids? And she's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. I don't let them talk to strangers. <laughs> and BNS are clearly like, oh, what the hell? That's so on brand for old people, like to be like, Ugh. It was fine. No one choked. And you're like, I, I know, but there's like other threats and like several other reasons why we're upset about this. Mm. <laughs> They're like, they don't talk to strangers. Like, OK, good. Not saying that that's bad, but also there's too many of them. It was almost a little bit funny. Like, I feel like they could have dialed it back a smidge <laughs> writing wise. Like it was it was truly over 20 children. Oh, easily. They ask her if she has a gun in the house. She says no. And then Stabler says they need to see a list of all of the parents Phone list of all the parents, contact list. Um, and that's basically because they're going to just ask those. They think that maybe a kid might have brought the gun to the daycare. So they're going to ask. They're going to harass all these parents. Yeah. And be like, do you I'm have sure a gun? I'm going to be pleased. Yeah. 
spoiler the one they talk to is not furious but i don't remember what scene that happened in because i didn't write it down so dun dun yes dun 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 so now we are back at the school and munch and finn are talking to some of elias and carly's classmates uh first they talk to sammy um and sammy (laughs) Sammy. sammy's sassy and he just basically confirms that um elias and carly didn't get along in that is that what Sammy does? He like talks about how Carly keeps trying to kiss him and he was not about that or does. No, Sammy's upset. Like, so I wrote that Finn is trying to question the children. <laughs> but this, but Sammy, um, Sammy's having a hard time with this. He's like angry about it. He's kind of got like, you know, he just seems cranky about it. I'm like, he's cranky about witnessing a murder. But he and Finn start to give each other attitude back and forth. And it's very funny. Like, he's like, Sammy, did you see what happened? Sammy's like, Yeah. And he's like, okay, well, then what happened? Oh, I wrote Finn and Sammy are not getting along. At all. Like, it's really not happening. Because it's, like, clear that Sammy's traumatized. And Finn just maybe hasn't had a, a little boy in front of him for a while. He's like, why can't you just answer my questions? Yeah, he's like, tell me what happened. Sammy just comes out and says that, like, he saw Elias shoot Carly. Um, and then they talk to another little boy. And that little boy had something on the side of his mouth. Oh. Did you know? Maybe it was just the color I was- of his distracted by his hair that was sticking straight up it was very of the time he was cute he was i mean all the kids are cute in this episode it looked like he had like some food on the corner of his mouth and i was like ew he must not have i'm probably just an old lady and can't see but yeah finn asks him same thing like well, well he says did carly and elias ever argue and this kid confirms yeah he's the one who confirms that carly would kiss elias a lot and it bothered him and he's saying with a tone kind of like it clearly bothered a lot of people. Like, a lot of kids thought it was weird. He was like, she tried to kiss him all the time. And it's like, oh. So I started to think, I'm like, oh, shit. Was this like, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, there are episodes. There is an episode that starts, like, very similarly. But the issue is that, like, the child is being assaulted at school. There And there, of course, they're trying to, like, trick us here and kind of make it seem like, Elias wasn't being forthcoming about his discomforts with Carly. So that's what that scene leaves on. But spoiler, that's not that's why. not the problem. Back with BNS, we find out that Cabot is hell bent on charging the parents. They're both upset and just kind of fighting because they're both upset, even though I think they mostly agree. Olivia gets mad at Elliot and is like, you're making sound like there's two victims and there's one and it's Carly Jackson. And I'm like, Liv. Maybe we haven't discovered all the things yet. It's pretty weird that this like really nice seven-year-old all of a sudden just picked up a gun and shot somebody. So maybe let's dig deeper before we make grand proclamations. Right. And not victim blaming. But let's just pretend the issue was that this girl was was kissing him a lot. (laughs) She's like, fuck this kid for setting boundaries. I know. I'm like, okay. So they arrive at the door to the squad room where they find a woman who introduces herself as Elias's teacher. Inside, she tells BNS that the class size is supposed to be capped at 32 and she is 40. So once again, kind of speaking to this community, there are not enough adults supervising basically anything. Right. And as she talks, she almost rummages around in her bag for a comically long time. It's like for like 10 minutes, she's just like, and then... My class. Rummage, rummage, rummage. I've been a teacher for 20 years. Rummage, 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 rummage. rummage. Nothing shocks me anymore. Rummage, rummage. And literally a Benson at one point goes, did you have something to show us? (laughs) 
And then miraculously, she whips out this child's drawing. And she's like, Elias drew this yesterday or last week? It was the day before. Or the day before. The shooting. Yeah. So I, which I think it has been two days now. Like this is like the second day, I think. That would make sense. Maybe not. I think they changed their clothes, by the way. I think from the scene when Cragen tells them about what happened to the rest of the day, Olivia's shirt is different. I'm 90% sure. I'm sorry. I know I'm creepy, but I love her. So, of course, I'm staring at her yes. shirt. I'm always, she has a coat this episode that I did not put down, but I liked the coat. So this teacher produces this picture, and it's two figures pointing a gun at a third figure. And the third figure is just like gushing blood. It's a very violent picture. It is also clearly three light skinned figures. And we have not said this yet, but Carly Jackson is black. Stabler looks at this picture and goes, Carly had a ponytail. (laughs) That's clearly a man. I thought that too. I was like, but Carly is darker skinned. And this person is clearly a man because. The legs are as long as the entire page. Why would, why would you draw a seven-year-old girl with legs that long? But Benson and Stabler are like, oh, smoking gun. We found <laughs> evidence. I'm like, I don't know. So done, done. Then this scene was so funny to me because we go to City Hall, I'm pretty sure. Whenever I don't know where we are, I just We're at City, City Hall, Hall if we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this? So then we're at City Hall, and Cabinet is arguing with her boss. And let me pull up his name. I completely forgot to look it up before this. Charlie Phillips? Yes. Chief Assistant DA Charlie Phillips. So she's arguing with him because he wants to charge Elias with murder. And she's a goss because he's seven. I wrote that, too. That I she wrote, was a goss? She's a goss due to Elias's young age. I wrote Verbatim that in my notes. Oh my god! Maybe I took that word from you. We're both a ghost. We're a ghost that she's a ghost. This is a very ghosting episode. It's it's a bit a ghosting. <laughs> so she's positively a ghost, and he explains to her that if Elias were six years old, he would have sent him home with his parents. But he just hits the cutoff. So there we go. He also notes that his boss says that there has been an uptick in violent crime in schools and school shootings since Columbine uh, and that the public is sick of it because they're not there aren't enough harsh punishments and these crimes are getting more and more violent. And I wrote, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Just wait another 23 years. Yeah. Wow. It gets like it gets like a lot worse. Gets a lot worse. Buckle up, sweetheart. I mean, he's probably dead now, but. Wait a second, now I want to look. Oh my God, that's horrible. <laughs> Jeffrey that is Demer. to the character, not the actor. Well, Brittany, regrettably, he is not dead. So No, I'm, I'm glad. No, I'm joking. Yeah, so he's like, well, that's what we have to do. She doesn't buy this excuse, Cabot doesn't. And she accuses him of wanting a promotion. And she shows him the drawing. She's like, look at this drawing. He, he's clearly suffering. And he goes, um, if anything, this drawing shows intent. Thank you for the additional evidence. Yeah, basically. Yeah. She is, I think, the most upset we've ever seen her, which I, I wrote that in my notes. I'm like, this is episode, like, what, five? She's only had five episodes to be upset. I mean, like, Olivia's having no heart. <laughs> she was like, yeah, throw him in jail. I know. It, it's a little shocking. And like we've said, people kind of change per episode because they kind of always need to have one person to be like, yeah, throw him in jail. It's just weird that it's Olivia. Right. She's not usually the one who takes that stance. Like, Well, we have to be reminded that Stabler is a father. Um, father. So he knows seven-year-olds. And meanwhile, Olivia's like, aren't seven-year-olds typically mature enough to stand trial for murder? 
And Stabler's like, no, Olivia, who is the most even tempered this episode. I think I'm on recording being like, oh, Stabler's going to be crazy this episode. And I'm wrong. We find out that the general public thinks this is bullshit. It were, the general public's a little bit split. Half of them think that Elias needs to go to jail because they believe that this was racially motivated, we find out. And the other half are like, what the fuck? It's a seven-year-old. But yeah, I was a little bit taken. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny that she's like, here, look at this picture of this tortured child's inner thoughts. And her boss is like, oh, cool. More evidence. Go take that. <laughs> He's like, run along. Be a good girl. Go charge that seven-year-old with murder. Have fun. She's like, shit, should have kept the picture at home. I also sensed a little sexual tension here. Oh, like that went both ways or him to her? I think it went both ways. Now, I didn't want it to be sexual because. Because she can do better. She can do a lot better. Mm. But I don't know. She was just so angry at him. Mm. <laughs> I was like, are you okay? What's going on? I would never yell at my boss like that. But I'm also a complete puss. <laughs> dun, dun. Right? To be yes, okay. done, done. that was it. Yeah, she's kind of like fuck. I should have shown the sucks. picture. <laughs> so now she has to go to family court, and the judge is like, <laughs> he's like, you want to charge this kid with murder? He's like, like, can you stop giving me a hard time about? It? Like the judge literally looks down. And he's like, you want to do what? And Cabot's like, yep, I'm charging him with murder. And he's like, is there any other way? And she goes, she literally goes, not that's presented itself. One has yet to present itself. She is clearly like gritting her teeth through this whole thing. Um, Robert Sorensen is here. Whoa, that was so nice. I wrote smarmy defense attorney. What's his face is here. Hot. And he says his client is pleading general denial. I want to do that. Yeah. (laughs) How often can this be used? I didn't know you could just go. I don't know. General, a general denial. I in general deny that this happened. Wait, but no, no, no specifics. I generally deny Just generally this. denied that that. Generally denied. So Cabot moves to have Elias removed from his home situation since they haven't yet ruled out that, that his home life had something to do with what happened. His attorney fights against this. He's like, they're a really strong nuclear family. And then Cabot points out that due to the fact that they have connections outside the country, he does present a huge flight risk. Um, as this happens, we see Mrs. Barrera turn... I don't know how we're supposed to know this, but we do that. Carly Jackson's mother is watching the proceedings and she kind of turns and they make eye contact and it is tense. She she looks very Obviously. angry. Yeah. Che Diaz looks angry, too. Like, I understand Carly's mother's anger, but Che Diaz turns because they're like Carly Jackson's family who are in the court. Oh, OK. That's how we knew. I'm like, how the hell do we know that that was Carly Jackson's mother? Yeah, because um the prosecution, someone in the press. It would maybe Cabot said it. Cabot was like the victims. It, oh, yeah. She was saying that it wouldn't be fair to release rely, Elias to his family. It would be like disrespectful to community at large and also the victim's family who are in the court today. Yeah. And Chadias is like being so unreasonable. So the judge remands Elias to a detention center in order he be evaluated to see if he understands what he did. So Elias is taken away. His family's absolutely devastated. And then again, we see Carly's mother and she leaves and kind of gives the family another like anguished look. Everyone's sad. Yeah. Everyone's sad. Sad. It's a sad episode. Sad. I'm sucks. sad. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. There we go. Oh, yes. Oh, it gives me the... Ugh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <Whoa>. Spicy. <laughs> I wrote the word stablerm. 
<laughs> and I was just like, what the hell is that? What's a stablerm? Stabler. <laughs> is it with an N at the end of stabler? An M. An S T A P L E R M. I am stabler. so glad I asked. Stablerm. <laughs> Detective Stablerm. <laughs> Who is almost completely reclined in his chair? Oh. What was oh. happening? Oh, what was happening during the this scene. Re- He's like, like fully reclined. Like that. And Cabot comes in. He's like, has he spilled now that he's in the big house? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the seven-year-old. This poor fucking. Did you, were you drinking a Miller Lite and rummaging around your piano before you came into work today? I know. I know he's just like so laid back. <laughs> so. <laughs> See, there are little funny moments. That we really love. That's why I wrote it down. I was like, oh, look, a funny. And then, and then Cabot confirms. She's like, no, in fact, he's clammed up more. And we're like, wow. And I think they're like shocking. And a child would become scared and clam up. And I'm like, well, then you go do it. I think Cragen walks in and is like, you guys aren't doing your jobs again. Yeah. yeah. People are mad. Now that I, I think the people are calling him now because the people are like, although no one in the situation is rich, everyone's mad we're all mad yeah yeah and now i can't ignore it so you gotta fucking figure this out please yeah he goes okay well can we stop focusing on the kid we arrested and find the adult we didn't which again is like i know what he means but it's like can you just like form a sentence please that wasn't a sentence or a complete thought (laughs) so craigan's mad that they have like a name of one of the parents at Elias's daycare does own a gun. And he's like, mm, go do your job. So yeah. he sends Finn and Munch to harass this overworked nurse. Who's got a reg? She did the right thing and registered a gun. She's, you know, she was like, I'm not going to do this illegally. I'm going to go get a permit. So they like ask if they can see her gun. And she's like, no. And so they push her. So she whips it out of her purse and points it at them. And they rightfully flip out and somehow do not arrest her ass. She is very lucky. Listen, a lot of times I'm going to come down against these detectives, but you don't brandish a fucking gun at two police officers. Are you at crazy? All. Are you crazy? I mean, it's definitely because she was like a smoke show that they just let oh, this Oh, she's go. wicked. She's, this woman's super like hot. super hot. Um, She's a healthcare worker. She's pissed because rightfully she is some sort of healthcare worker in the community and she often gets out at 3 a.m. and has to like walk to a bus like she's to like take a bus and then walk like 10 blocks or something so she's like yeah I have a gun they're like you know you're not supposed to conceal carry she's like oh well I don't it just stays at home and guards my appliances which wink wink it's kind of yeah she was like oh no I keep it here and it guards my it keeps my appliances from getting robbed (laughs) (laughs) and they're like you're so lucky you're hot we're gonna let all of this go oh yeah and then her son comes out and they're like do you know Elias and they're like oh yeah didn't he pop that little girl and they're like okay Uh, okay so the whole scene is literally just to like show us the audience like see how like overworked Miss Community, I mean, is and like she's got to work a job until 3 a.m. with a kid. And then, you know, it's like trying to defend herself, um, which I would argue in her defense as a woman. I'm sorry. I could be back in New Hampshire and I'd be like, yeah, I think it'd just be better if I had a gun just in case some rogue man sees me walking, jogging on the side of the road and goes, you know what? I'm going to take her in my car somewhere. Today's the day. But no, yeah, they're at the Emmy's office and or not the Emmy, but the, the forensics guy. He shows Benson and Stabler the bullet that was found in Carly. They got the gun because Elias was putting it in the dumpster. And I Ms. think Miss Pivik, yeah, it. saw and told. 
So the bullet that they got from Carly's body has a hand filed down flat point, which if you watch a lot of shows like this, you know, that's meant to cause maximum damage. Like a bullet will already cause damage, but when it's filed down like that, it basically explodes inside the person. So they mark they remarked that Carly never stood a chance. And the guy goes, neither did this other victim. And they're like, what? <laughs> and it's like, your gun's got a second body. That guy like wrote that down. He's like, I can't wait till Benson and Stabler get here. And I'm going to, I'm going to like really wow them. And then I'm going to zing them with a, yeah, your gun's got a second body. Dun, dun. And they're like, why'd you say dun, dun? He's like, <laughs> oh, I don't know. Sometimes that sound plays in my head when I say cool things to people. He starts going, <laughs> they're like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm doing the string quartet when something really dramatic happens. They're like, Benjamin, <laughs> shut up. I don't know what his real what his name is. He's he's the he's in other episodes. He like says stuff and is like, oh, evidence. No, I'm obsessed with you just naming the characters. Remember, I forget who it was, but you named her Jasmine. (laughs) Jasmine. Oh my god, who did I name Jasmine? I forget. I was like, but I like that her name is Jasmine. (laughs) (laughs) They now believe because because Benson goes drug runner, gangbanger. They believe that. This gun is actually, it, it probably came from somebody who is involved in either some version of gang activity because it also has a hairpin trigger. So it's very easy to f- shoot. Um, and they make the joke, so easy, even a seven-year-old could use it. And I was thinking that too. I was like, how did a seven-year-old? Because like, they're, well, you could tell me, they're heavy, right? It's like hard. Guns to are really them. heavy. Me, a 33-year-old woman, when I fire a gun, not the... I know I've made a big deal on this podcast about how I don't like guns, but I have been to gun ranges and I have fired. I have fired several different guns. They are heavy. I require two hands to basically aim and fire. So it's an, it, it, I'm, I'm thinking it's interesting because it's almost like, oh, wow, if it had just been a normal gun, he probably wouldn't have been able to fire it, you know, but because it's a hairpin trigger. Um, and it was basically a gun used for people marked for death. Um, they have deduced that it's probably related to some type of gang activity. And the very excited CSI Benjamin. guys. <laughs> Benjamin, right. <laughs> Benjamin says that the last victim that this gun <laughs> took is a 23-year-old man named Shorty Esposito. Dun, dun. So BNS are now over at the 23rd precinct to hear about this other murder. So a detective tells them that Shorty Esposito, a Latino male, was found shot close range the night before Carly's murder. He was left in an alley near Elias's house, and the case is cold. They basically have nothing. It's two days. I'm like, what do you mean it went cold? They're like, oh. <laughs> They're like, it's a cold case. I'm like, from two days ago? So he goes, we were hoping your kid did this one too. And Stabler, straight face, goes, how do you know he didn't? I'm like, How do you know a seven-year-old didn't fix his fingers to shoot a 23-year-old at point-blank range? And the detective, to his credit, goes, the person was a lot taller than a seven-year-old. You know, like, sometimes you just, like, put in, like, a few question marks when you're like, what? Like, someone Stabler was like, how do you know he didn't? I just, like, wrote, (laughs) I just have, like, a little parentheses with three question marks. Like, like, what the fuck? What? So as the detective is like kind of giving BNS the file to look at, Stabler tells him they're going to go back and just canvas this area. And Olivia looks at a picture of the crime scene and goes, Elliot, and points. 
uh, the pants of the murder victim look very similar to the pants of the victim in Elias's drawing. <gasps> Maybe it wasn't Carly Jackson, you idiot. Carly had a ponytail. Carly had a ponytail. I was like, <laughs> that was that is the only similarity between Carly and this picture. Also, it's like an aerial view. Like, it's funny because Eli- the photo that they have is like, a photo of someone standing up and taking a picture of Shorty as he's lying down, obviously. But then so is Elias's photo. And I'm like, but how would he even have that perspective? (laughs) (laughs) We're blowing so many holes in this friggin' episode. We're like, wrong. I love us. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. At all. Done. Done. The streets. We're We're back to the streets. Back to the streets where the squad does their best work. So B&S are hassling the general public and they're asking the store owner if he knows anything about Shorty. He's clearly like, I don't want to talk about this because I don't want to deal with whatever these people are involved with. Um, And they're like, what are they involved with? So he says that Shorty goes into the store across the street. That's a Santeria store. He goes, you know, like mumbo jumbo. I think it is. You know how we talk about the ick? Yeah. One of my icks is white writers writing about Santeria. And this was icky. Yeah, <laughs> the I don't scene know. was icky. I mean, I do I know for a fact that the SVU writers room in 2000 is just full of white people? No, I don't know that for a fact. But oh. I bet my I don't have a lot of assets. I bet my dog on it. And I love my dog. <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway, all I'm saying is whenever white people put fucking Santeria in something, I'm like, shut up. Well, a very white band ruined Santeria for me personally, because mm. now whenever I hear that word, I think, I don't practice Santeria, screaming in my hair, just oh my screaming God. in my memory. Oh. So we go into the Santeria store. <laughs> oh, your girl's hot for Ricky Crow. Mm, Ricky I can't even Crow. Say I can't even say that name. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the IMG. So it's actually Nikki Crow, which oh, is Nikki probably Crow. a little, a little better. I guess. Nikki Crow. They're like, we can't name everybody Ricky. So yeah, they walk in, Ugh. and I'm upset because there are sacrificial chickens in here. And the store's fine ass manager, Nikki Crow, comes out, and he's very soft smoking and attractive. They're like, are these sacrificial chickens? And he goes, yeah, it's legal. So, and I'm like, wait. For no reason, they start harassing him about Santeria. Yes. And I'm like, he's like, yeah, it's a, it's a really peaceful religion, although we do do sacrifice, which Brittany Porter is here to say I'm totally against. But then they go, yeah, it wasn't so safe when that girl's family killed her trying to perform an exorcism the other year. And he's like, okay. As soon as I heard that, I was like, that was definitely a Catholic family. A Catholic family would. They'd be like, you're out of control, Carrie. We're going to get an exorcist down here. So literally nothing else happens in this scene besides razzing him about Santeria. Yeah, he just sits there all, all attractive. All and Dun, dun. Dun, dun. So they meet Munch and Finn outside and tell them about the Santeria. They're like, they have a bug <laughs> up their right ass outraged. about this. I know. They're like, um, they're not practicing anything we've heard about. So mm, it's bad. They're like, and Finn's like, that's all right. Because we're about to do some more stereotyping if you look across the street here. he does gesture to the sketchiest group of guys i've ever seen so finn's like you know how i used to do so finn starts to show off he's like remember how i know narcotics he's like that guy does this that guy's doing that and then where is and then he like all of a sudden you see this little kid go 911 911 
And he's like, the lookout. And then he takes off after this poor little kid. No one is discreet in this moment. (laughs) No one. Not kid shouting 911. Not Finn, who's like pretty blatantly like eyeing these guys. They're looking at them like, hello. Like they, they literally. And so they catch up to the kid and he's like. Gives them, like, they're like, what's your name? He's like, Sammy Sosa. And they're like, come over here. And the kids, like, bosses are just staring at the cops. So there's this, like, bodega owner who helped them catch this kid when he was fleeing. And they try to ask him questions about the guy who's, like, lurking. Olivia's like, what's his deal? And the guy's, like, literally him. (laughs) He's, like, literally right behind her. She's like, can you tell me about him? And the the bodega owner's like, what if we go inside so they don't hear me narking? Yeah. They're like, all right, that makes sense. (laughs) So he goes inside and he's like, that weird guy's Bobby Cruz, who has the only normal name in this episode. So inside, the bodega owner is showed a picture of Elias by Stabler. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's in here all the time. He's with this guy called Sweetness. Yeah, he goes, the kids call him Sweetness. And they're like, what? And he goes, real sweet tooth. And I'm like, what? what? Why don't they call him like sweet tooth or sweets? Sweets. Yeah. Why? Sweetness? Why s- sweetness makes you think of the, you know, are you listening? <laughs> That's the name of the song. We're going to call him Saweetie for the- not really. Fuck it. If I forget his name, I'm going to call him Jimmy Eat World. Yeah. Allegedly, the kids have named this man Sweetness. I don't think kids would be corny enough. Well, super quick scene back at the station, Munch and Finn tell BNS about Sweetness and his rap sheet. And then we find out he's Mrs. Strata's grandson. So boop, 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 quick scene over to Mrs. Strata. She's reluctant to believe that Sweetness is somehow involved in Carly's death. And BNS tell her about Shorty and that they know that he and Sweetness hung out together. So Mrs. Strata says that he's really good with the kids. He's a sweetheart. And she goes, the kids love him. They call him Sweetness. I'm like, please stop trying to make this. (laughs) Everyone stop it with the Sweetness. The kids did not name him this. His name's fucking Antonio. Call him Tony something. Yeah. Like Tony yeah, to- S or. Like Tony Snaps or something like that. Yeah. Like Tony, even Tony Candies would make sense. Like Tony. Tony Sweets. Tony, Tony Sweets. Anything but freaking. And they're like, yeah, the kids call him Sweetness. I'm like, I don't think most kids can say Sweetness. That's a lot of S's and a lot of kids have lisps. So they're like, listen, she goes, he had a really tough childhood. He was in and out of the system. His father's in jail. We don't know where his mother is. And just to know that this is her sweetness is great grandmother. So it made me go, Holy wait, yeah, why are you dealing with this and not his grandmother? Where the fuck is his grandmother? So, so she, yeah, she's like, he's sweet with the kids. He takes them on walks for me. He gives them candy. Um, they're like, that's why sweetness. sweetness. Always with can- he must have, we should call him cavity. We should call him like, <laughs> we should call him rot tooth. <laughs> it's too much. Benson goes, well, actually, Miss Estrada, the candy store that he takes the kids to is on a known drug corner. So she finally, they explain to her, they're like, look, come on, lady, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and she reluctantly tells them where Sweetness lives and asks them not to hurt him. So you can tell she's a nice, she's a nice woman. She's, she really yeah. is. Yeah, she's a victim of all this, too. So dun dun. BNS go to Antonio slash Sweetness's apartment. And knock. And Elliot's like knocking and going, Antonio, it's the police. We just have a few questions. When this doesn't work, Olivia goes, knock, knock, knock. Sweetness. And I'm like, <laughs> like he wouldn't answer to Antonio, but she knows his little nickname so that he's like, oh, she calls me sweetness. Then he opens the door. What on earth was that? 
I wrote that too. I was like, why would that change his mind? Oh, you know my dumb little nickname? Okay. And the way she, I, I'm going to take that clip because I thought the same thing. I like that we both found it funny because she was like, knock, knock, sweetness. Sweetness. <laughs> like, move aside, Elliot. I'm going to get him out here. Knock, knock, knock. Sweetness. <laughs> They're having entirely too much fun with this name. <laughs> sweetness. Sweetness. I would be so embarrassed. I bet he hates this. He's like, stop calling me that. I'm a grown man. I'm a grown ass man. I'm 23. I'm 23, which was a man back then. So then I guess they realize the door is open because they don't have to open it. They don't have to like kick it open. And there's just blood everywhere all and over the world. at first walls. I was like, oh my God, did they sacrifice a chicken? Like, is this going to be like a fake out? I thought he was dead, but that <laughs> Well, I was wrong. I like how I agreed with you. And then I was like, wait, what was I, why am I being fake? I didn't think this. <laughs> you don't have to lie to me. I'm such a supportive friend. Yeah, I thought that too. It's dumb. <laughs> Stupid. Stupid girl. Dumb fucking bitch. <laughs> or what did you say in that? It was in the, I forget which episode it was, but Tabler said something and you just leaned towards me and go, shut up. about it once a month it's happened um <laughs> sometimes he really makes me mad elliot marie oh he's about to kind of make me mad again but not really okay. <laughs> so just all no these reason. names i don't know it's just annoying and they make them like fucking they're cadence i'm like oh calm down <laughs> relax god oh so um, they're following the blood basically, and they notice that the windows open. When they go down the fire escape into a back alley, they find Sweetness, and he's got his throat cut, and he's bleeding out. His blood's coming from his mouth. So Olivia runs, literally runs off to go call an ambulance. <laughs> I don't know why she couldn't have done it right there, but she runs off. So then Elliot gets down next to just Antonio Sweetness's face, and he goes, "Who did this, Sweetness? Who cut you, Sweetness? <laughs> Who did this to you? Who cut you, Sweetness?" <laughs> Sweetness is literally like b- bleeding out of his throat, um, but he does whisper something to Stabler. Now, I knew what he said. Benson comes kind of jogging back. She's like, bus is on the way, but Sweetness has already died. And she asks Elliot what he said. And Elliot goes, he said it was something like machete, machete. And I'm like, machete, like the word. To be fair, that movie had not yet come out. But I know what a machete is, so. Right, like we pronounce a machete in the English culture. Yeah. Which is sort of, machete is still kind of like, a stabler is not bilingual. or no. And he's never heard this word, apparently. He doesn't know weapons, I guess. Um, but yeah, so we leave on that. Dun, dun. We're back at the station, are we? Yes, we are. Okay. We're back at the station, and Stabler is clearly embarrassed at calling the drawing Carly earlier because he's like, clearly you can see that it was Shorty that is being depicted in this picture, not Carly. He's doing that thing. Erasing history. Yeah, he's doing that erasing history thing again where he's like, I never truly thought that was Carly, even though they both have ponytails. And it was clearly a grown man the whole time because (laughs) it was very much a six foot tall (laughs) drawing. So Olivia explains that Elias most likely witnessed this murder and Cabot's like, huh, I wonder why I didn't say anything after we like traumatized him and like put him in this like prison thing. 
I was, I know. She's like, why didn't he tell us? He had all these opportunities to tell us. And I'm like, um, because he witnessed a murder? Kragen's like, yeah, um, the people he's with, he probably knows what happens to people who talk. Cabot. They kind of all like behind her back are kind of like, what? She's like, very much privileged speaking. She's like, why wouldn't he tell anybody who could definitely help him? Because cops are very well known to be so thoroughly investigate. Yeah. Especially to people of color. But basically, we learn from Cabot that um, Sorensen got Elias out, and now he's staying with his parents. So Cragen's like, all right, go talk to him, find out the deal with this picture and the real story. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. I'm like, Cragen is jealous, but... Oh, no. He did the thing where, like, everyone already knew they were going to go do this, and he goes, go do it! And they're like, hey. They're like, He always does that. He's like, go! And they're, like, already on the way out. Relax! Shut up. Dun, dun. We're at Elias's home, and Stabler goes. <laughs> <this is> annoying. <laughs> Stabler goes into Elias's room. His parents, Benson and his attorney, are all just standing in the doorway, like staring at him like a zoo animal. I know they're like, "We'll hold back," and then they're all just like, like in stuffed the into the doorway, like watching him. Like not even behind the door itself. They're just like staring. He's like, all right, it's you and me, big man. It's like, no, there's a whole audience. I know. I could see leaving Sorensen there like to make sure he doesn't like ask anything inappropriate. For some reason, Stabler goes in and is trying to slang talk again. And it's very much cringe. All right, big man. Me and Sweetness talked. He says he's got you all hooked up and slanging for him. And Elias, I kid you not, looks up at him kind of like, pardon? And then he goes, what do you buy with all the money he gives you? New kicks? Baseball cards, crayons. As he's talking, there are like pictures behind him of like the like colorful pictures that are like one A B C D E F G. I'm like, he's seven. He's not buying his own shit. And also, what makes Stabler believe that these older teens, these men using these kids, would need to pay them? As if you can't just menace a child into doing whatever you need them to do. I'm sorry, that's not me going. As if you can't just bully a kid. But historically. You don't really need to pay children for things because you can just make them do it because you're bigger than stronger than them. Yeah. Or like he gave him candy. Right? He's like, what? So what, where's all the money he gave you? He's like, I'm seven. He just literally told me we're going on a walk, idiot. And I went. <laughs> well, he I has a gun, it. sir. I did whatever he asked me to do. He has a gun. I, <laughs> you just like you, gun. idiot. Right. Like, what, what is this math? Yeah, so Elias, after this, this ridiculous claim, just to shut Stabler up, he tells him that Sweetness used to stick glass bottles in his pockets. And then Elliot's like, okay, good. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> so, so impressed then, by the police work here. He's like, I'm really doing it. You see that, Liv? See me parenting and policing? So Stabler shows Elias the picture that Elias drew, and he asks about it. And to sum it up, because they do this, like, really long kind of backwards conversation where they ask about like details out of order it was about the picture sum it up elias witnessed sweetness and another man kill shorty on sunday so the day before he killed carly and elias was in a closet at the time and he heard shorty pleading with the man machete no please don't machete so elias said he was supposed to stay in the closet but he left you know he got out of the closet and he saw what was going on um he said that Machete shot Shorty with a pillow over Shorty's face and you couldn't hear the blast, which I've always been like, that's got to be bullshit. Like, how does like one pillow, a couch cushion take take the sound away? It's a silencer all of a sudden. 
He said he heard the gun go off and Machete ran out afterwards, which I thought was kind of a funny visual. <laughs> He's like, oh, crap. Just like books ah, it. Yeah. <laughs> and Sweetness hid the gun in the couch cushions and then got out a big suitcase from another closet or somewhere. Um, Elias hid back in the closet, so he didn't see what Sweetness did with the suitcase, but he clearly put Shorty inside of it. So when Elias left the closet for a second time, Machete was gone, Sweetness was gone, and he took the gun from the couch cushions. And Stabler goes, why did you do that? And he said it's because he didn't want Machete to kill him too. So then Stabler goes, okay, now this is very important. Where did all of this happen? Elias says that his parents were in the hospital that day because his sister is sickly and they need to take her to the hospital. And so they realized that it was at Mrs. Estrada's house. So my question is, who then picked up Elias? And did they like not notice that like a whole ass shooting had occurred? Like we we find out later that it was cleaned up. But who picked him up? Who like what adult made the like handed him over? And then after seeing something like that, you know his, I mean, unless he completely dissociated, but like he probably was acting very strangely after, like, yeah, really quiet, you know, so you're right. Like who picked him up? Um, Because what? Okay, well, then done, done. So we we pop over to Miss, poor Mrs. Estrada. Um, She's very confused. She's speaking Spanish to, I think, someone on the phone, but she's, um, the cops are searching her house and they're all like chill. So then. They ask her what she was doing on Sunday night. Um, and she goes, Sunday night when? And they're like, about 10 to 11 or 12 p.m. Sunday night. And she said that she was sleeping and she takes medicine that knocks her out. So furthermore, I guess his parents were familiar with sweetness and they didn't mind that she was also letting her 23-year-old great-grandson watch the kids in the middle of the night. And you're, it's yeah. like, what? The whole thing was a little undetailed there. Yeah. But then we go inside Miss Strata's house with... Sailor and Benson, and we got CSI in there. They're doing the blue light. They find blood and tire marks from what Olivia says must be a big ass suitcase. And I was like, <laughs> Olivia? <laughs> it was like so out of character. Like the kind on a big ass suitcase. Because she doesn't really cuss. I didn't even clock that because that's how I would talk about a suitcase. So I think I was just like, yeah, that is a big ass suitcase. That was my biggest takeaway from this scene. Um, but confirmed. A murder happened here. Oh, and the couch cushion was missing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Taylor was like, couch cushion. He's so embarrassed about that picture. He's like, couch cushion. Olivia, I, I found the couch cushion. The one from that picture where I said that was not Carly Jackson. That was definitely Shorty. Dun, dun. Yes, dun, dun. That's it. So now we go to the fucking 15th precinct. We're all over the place. Um, And they talk to another cop. Apparently there was some huge ass fight the night of the murder in the neighborhood. And then the cops came and questioned 35 people, even though I don't think a a huge crime was committed. Someone was stabbed, but no one died. I don't think there's just a brawl. And so they just like sat down and questioned 35 people. So someone is murdered. It's cold in two days. There's a minor fight. and The cops come and question 35 people. Right. Like what? So they go back to the station and they tell Cragen that using this list, they've eliminated several people based on age and gender. So their thinking was that maybe when Machete ran out, he like wandered into this group of people. Some of the the names on the list had rap sheets. And so they showed these mugshots to Elias and he recognizes the people, but none of them are Machete. And then there are three people 
on the list with no record, so no mugshot, and that's Nikki Crow, um, the bodega owner, and Bobby Cruz. And Stabler's like, we've met all three of those people. Yeah, he says, he goes, okay, cool. <laughs> we'll get approval for walk-bys, which is when they take Elias to the locations where these suspects are and see if he recognizes Machete. Pulling a bit of a Gina Silver on this one, but... Yeah. Here we go. Here we um, go. He says it very casually. He's like, all right, we'll see if we can just uh, bring this kid in front of a potential murderer. <laughs> and they've got a really great idea of how to protect his identity. Mm, Let's stellar. talk about this. So in one of the oddest scenes in this episode, BNS pull up to this whole corner where the bodega is, the Botanica store is, and Stabler gets Elias out of the car and he's like, we're going to go see some people, and if you recognize any of them as Machete, all you have to do is squeeze my hand. To protect his identity, they have a plastic pig mask, and the pig is wearing a jaunty top hat. I was like, <laughs> is it Halloween? Like, what the? What? Why? First of all, where did they get this mask? Second of all, why... Did production choose this this particular mask? He couldn't just wear, I don't know, like a hockey mask or like... Right, a Jason mask. Maybe they thought that was like, oh, it's creepy if he were... Like, he can't have a scary mask because then we're like portraying to the audience he's a bad guy. Also, I thought this was dumb because Nikki Crow has met them before. So why would they be walking in with a random little boy? (laughs) It made me so nervous for him because he's so, like, clearly doing something weird. Because he's with the cops and he's wearing a pig mask. And they brought, like, if not a lawyer, a narc, because Josh Pice just looks like a narc in general. (laughs) He looks like he would tattle on you for anything. I would be at a bar and, like, flirting with a guy, and he'd walk up and go, this girl's got a boyfriend. And I'd be like, how did you know that? (gasps) Josh Pice? We're fighting right now. I just need a little confidence. (laughs) So anyway... (laughs) We enter the Santeria store and fine-ass Nikki Crow comes out and um, he remembers these cops. So he goes, hi. And then right then, little Elias, he grabs Stabler's hand and he like starts to squeeze it. And so then like the, his lawyer just grabs him and shuttles him out. And <laughs> Olivia and Elliot are like, all right, lay down on your, on your cash register, please. <laughs> and fine-ass Nikki Crow is like, ah, uh, uh, wait, check the freezer. And Stabler, I guess, knows what's about to happen. He goes, not hungry. And then Nikki Crow goes, I've never met one that wasn't. And I'm like, one what? I'm like, what are you Say talking it. about? Say it. <laughs> I, so I was like, I thought there was going to be like a head in there or something. I'm like. <laughs> I thought that there was going to be something. I thought that he was going to point them in the direction of other machete. Because I didn't want him to be machete. But. Up in the freezer, there are stacks of cash. And I'm like, ew, that's stupid. <laughs> so I know. Uh. I know, idiot. So he goes, take it. It's yours. Call it the cost of doing business. And Stabler's like, call it a glass beef felony because they're bribing a cop. Yeah. He's so. like, don't do that. Oh. <laughs> done, done. Done, done. So that's the last we see of my fine, my beautiful Nikki Crow. Bye. Yeah, they hand him over. To that, yeah. to those cops who did nothing. Right. And you'd think, I was thinking, I'm like, okay, well, this is like a big deal because like, he's like the guy, obviously. He's kind of like the head dude because he's got, 
you know, Sweetness doing stuff for him. Short, he killed Shorty. You know, he he killed uh, Sweetness after. Like Machete is this bad motherfucker. So I'm like, we're gonna see his fine ass again. I guarantee you. They're like, nope, bye, nope, Machete. This the neighborhood's largest gang or like largest mafia leader. They're like, and that was it. Named after a literal blade. And they're like, bye, bye. Not not too not too big of a deal. Dun dun. So. And probably one of the weirder moments of my life, I somehow read the black title card as the office of Dr. Elizabeth Hurley. I <laughs> wish. And I proceeded <laughs> to be like, why would they name her Elizabeth Hurley? And I wrote this diatribe about how fucking dumb it was of them to call her Elizabeth Hurley. I'm like, isn't she in other episodes? How did I never remember her name is Elizabeth Hurley? It's not. Dr. Elizabeth Olivet. But I, wait, I, maybe they wrote Elizabeth Hurley. Why? I don't know why I would think that, but also... Maybe they wrote it. I mean... I'm going to look again. Maybe it's on, like, Hurley Street, and I... Or maybe <laughs> I'm just an idiot. I don't know, guys. Well, I'll look. Remember they wrote the title card? There, One of them at the beginning was, like, October 3rd, and then they changed it. They're, like, September 25th. I was like, wait. <laughs> we were like, what? You can't go back. She's with... um. Probably Elias is at her office or something like they're in some sort of like child therapy room type deal, it seems. And she has Elias, who seems very shuddered, like he's like very not emoting a lot. He's clearly yeah. traumatized. A lot's happened in literally four days. This seems so annoying. So she tells Elias to draw a picture of how he was feeling in the schoolyard. And he just draws a figure screaming. Just like hair on end, mouth open, just like, oh my God. Like wide eyes, like like in horror. This this child drew horror. It's horror. It is horrifying. Um, so she asks why he was so scared, and he tells her that he saw Machete at the fence at the school. Was he there? So I watched again because I was like I don't remember seeing Nikki I would have Crow. noticed my my sweet baby angel Machete. So I think it's probably like a stand-in for Machete, but Behind the two boys, behind the one that called Miss Pivik bitch, you see this guy with Machete's hair. Machete had this very long, beautiful hair. So uh, okay. when I watched it again, because I watched it a second time, I, I saw him in the background. But he is far enough. Like, I, what probably we're, we're led to believe is that when he was talking to the boys, Bobby Cruz, it turns out, at the fence, he probably looked behind Bobby, Bobby, Bobby and saw Machete. Um, oh, but this okay. is never shown to us. Yeah. He believed Machete was there to hurt him too. And he meant to shoot Machete, not Carly. Yeah. But because he's a fucking seven-year-old. I know. <laughs> had bad aim. So he starts to cry and asks what's going to happen to him. So she's like, well, what do you think should happen to you? He draws flames all around the figure in his drawing. Insert grimace emoji, I wrote. Mm. So he thinks he should go to hell. Fucking Dr. Elizabeth Hurley goes, you think you're going to burn in hell for what you did? I'm like, maybe, bitch, what? No, actually, I thought I should just die in a house fire. I, I've heard that's a pretty painful way to go. And I think that's what I deserve. Uh, why wouldn't you be like, oh, honey, like, no. No. Instead no. of going, oh, so you think you're going to burn in hell for what you did? Like, she says it like that. Like, kind of, she's like. You think you're going to burn in hell? It's sort of condescending to kind of like idiot. You know that's not going to happen. <laughs> All sweet baby angels go to heaven. I wrote, I'm no therapist, but shut up, lady. Shut up, Dr. Elizabeth Hurley. <laughs> uh, 
So I said Cabot's shitty boss. ADA Phillips is an ass. Just a dick. Dun dun. But yeah, so we're in his ADA Phillips office. And Cabot keeps taking Elias's incriminating drawings to <laughs> Don't show Phillips. him anything else. I know. She's not. She keeps trying to take them to show to him to like tap into his like paternal side, perhaps. But every time she does, she takes this picture of him, you know, drawing a self-portrait of him in hell. And he goes, oh, well, this definitely proves that he knows right from wrong. Cool. We can use this in the, <laughs> the prosecution, too. She's like, damn it. Fuck. She's like, God, I got to stop bringing this to him. So Cabot wants to drop the murder charge because Elias helped them get Machete. And, you know, like, clearly he wasn't he didn't intend to kill Carly. He was trying to defend himself. Um. And the guy is like, no, but you can reduce it to manslaughter. And she's like, this is absurd. No. Um, so she points out the school principal confirmed that Machete and the gang were there at the school that day at the fence. And they had been talking. Two of them had been talking to Elias. Um, but shitty boss. Can I keep forgetting his name? He doesn't think that this is a direct threat. So basically he was like, OK, but like they didn't hurt him. So what was the big deal? And I'm like, this is such a dumb way to handle what? Okay, they didn't hurt him, but they have killed people. He saw them kill people. He was being they forced They shot to... someone in front of a seven-year-old. Right. Even if, like, they're like, stay in the closet. We don't want you to see this. It's like, well, whatever. It, he still heard a man pleading for his life. He was still being... He, you don't have to be a genius, even as a little kid. Like, when, when something is off, you know it's off. Yes. He, it wouldn't be hard for him to render fear in a situation where you hear screaming. He's being taken to these bizarre places. They're making him carry stuff in his pockets. Everything's sketchy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, he was on edge. I don't think it's hard to fucking see that, you know? I mean, we're going to see cases down the road where someone claims like PTSD for the reason they hurt somebody and they never say it for Elias when he's a seven-year-old who witnessed a murder when he was forced to be involved in drug deals. Like, we're not going to talk about trauma or anything. But yeah, he doesn't care, basically. Uh, oh, she calls. She also lays out. She's like, the whole thing is fucked, essentially. Um, his parents had to work multiple jobs to pay for their sick daughter's medical bills. So they had to rely on Mrs. Estrada and her illegal daycare where there's like 40 or 50 fucking kids running around. She's an elderly woman. She wasn't able to see the dangers that were posed by her grandson, who was deeply impacted by the system and fell victim to, you know, street violence and stuff. So... He just doesn't care about any of this. Um, and basically, we, unbeknownst to us and Cabot, there is a press conference happening right over there. So he literally steps out into the press conference and is like, and now, ADA Alexandra Cabot, ladies and gentlemen. And she's just like, oh, God. Oh. And, the, and the squad's all watching from the station and they're all like, oh, shit, he really <laughs> hang her out to dry there. One thing we haven't discussed is that like Cabot has brought up like once or twice that this guy clearly has political aspirations mm. and he's hoping to use this case as proof that he's tough on crime. Right. Which is funny because she seems to it's weird that he doesn't. She's kind of being like, you're fucking my career up here because, like, people are going to look at me as the dick that tried to prosecute a seven-year-old for murder. And he's like, no one's going to think that. Get out there and Get defend this there. decision. <laughs> and it's revealed in this very short clip of her interacting with the press that the black community feels that Carly's death is not being taken seriously. She's not being treated like a victim, basically. They want a harsher punishment for Elias because, frankly, they don't know about the real. We just found about the truth. So yeah. they think that this was racially motivated in some way. Um, that's brought up in this interaction. And now we know why 
there's public outrage because like there's the one side that's like he's seven and there's the other side that's like yeah but he killed somebody and that victim is not being treated like a victim she's being treated like oh well yeah it's true historically black victims are not treated they're not treated seriously you know and that's yeah. not really even yeah the whole thing is sad um and i don't feel, I don't feel as bad for cabot <laughs> she's like this is hard on me <laughs> i'm a beautiful white woman my life is so hard my political career she, actually she says this later she's like now my political career is down the train <laughs> she does talk about her career a lot in this season i don't think she does so much later so done done we go to the next scene and it's her and dr elizabeth and I think they're having a casual girl drink talking about how shitty this all is. Cabot goes, give me something, Liz. And I'm like, I feel like Liz, Elizabeth is like very much on Elias's side. So I'm like, well, duh. It's not like she's like withholding. But Dr. Elizabeth Hurley says she believes he needs supervised counseling. And Cabot's like, well, that's not going to satiate the public's bloodlust. Liz Hurley basically tells Cabot that although... What she should do isn't very popular. It is the right thing to do. And all the people throughout history that Dr. Elizabeth Hurley respects are people who like stood up for what was right. So she's basically is like, I can't like make this seem okay, but you do have to go like defend, like let Elias go. Basically, we go to court and everyone gets to find out what happened. Um, They don't they don't force us to go over the whole thing again. A couple of I would assume child psychologists get up and they go like. One woman is kind of like, he knew exactly what he was doing and right from wrong, but he's also a child. And this other, like, angry man kind of said the same thing. He's like, yep, he knows right from wrong, but he's seven. And I'm like, what's happening? Except he talks a million miles a minute. That guy was talking so fast. He was like, he knows what's going on. He knows the role of the judge. He knows that he is an attorney. He knows the capacity to sit in his own defense. I was like, take a breath. Yeah, relax. Chad. He like Jamie Tacoed his lines. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Jamie Tacoed his lines. He knows what's going on. He knows the role of the judge. He knows he's an attorney. He has the capacity to sit in his own defense. I wrote, the person I've been calling Elizabeth Hurley, because I clearly realized right around now that I was wrong. I like that. Like, you knew her from previous episodes, but like in this brief moment, you're like, this is a stranger to me. I forgot. She looked familiar, but I didn't remember that she was the doctor that Stabler conferred like, with about Maureen's fake eating disorder. That was such an annoying scene. She's like, girls will be girls. I'm like, this isn't a girl. This is Maureen. <laughs> She's a cold-blooded killer. She's a full-blown annoyance. Yeah, and a cold-blooded killer. Our greatest theory to date. <laughs> and I stand by it. Yeah, Elizabeth, get, well, yeah, Elizabeth Hurley gets up there and... She sums it up. <laughs> They're like, so what happened? And she's like, Elias was in fear for his life that day. And not only that, but he was imitating behaviors that he had witnessed firsthand from this gang. Uh, she says that his reaction was technically age appropriate. And again, reminds us that he's seven. We're like, we know. God, we can yes. see him. He's clearly seven. He's so cute. After this moment with <laughs> this moment, after in, um, cross-examining Dr. Elizabeth Hurley, Cabot turns to the judge and says that the people are withdrawing charges against Elias because they aside with the defense and they see that there were basically, they didn't use this word, but I'm saying it's the only thing I know, mitigating circumstances. Um, and essentially the people don't think that it's necessary to prosecute him. He was trying to defend himself. Carly was not the target, although it was unfortunate. Um, <laughs> their words, not mine. And... We're throwing the case out, babes. I think the judge goes, really? Yeah, she's Cabot's like, like, yeah. So outside the courtroom, the media is furious and just screaming shit. 
A black man angrily yells that the killers of black children get off scot-free. Unfortunately, this is often true. But as everyone's yelling and flipping out, Carly Jackson's mother approaches the microphones and she just tearfully tells everyone to go home and take care of their children. She pretty much seems that she, she seems to understand that she doesn't want the violence and the trauma to go any further than what happened to her. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. So, um, even though this is, we're very sad, and I think handling it appropriately, the squad is all like, woo! They're like, you're a hero, Cabot! Woo! (laughs) Want to go to Mulligans to celebrate? Ugh. I don't, ugh. Ugh. (laughs) Oh. Well, they're all excited to leave, and then Cragen answers the phone. They show us the back of his neck. I will say, uh, Dan Florek does some excellent back acting here mm. because you literally just watch his shoulders slump. Dun dun, dun dun. The streets. BNS pull up. Um, they hear from the cop on the scene that a twelve-year-old named TJ has shot somebody. Apparently, a young boy tried to join a basketball game. He was shunned, and as he was walking away, he was shot. We pan out to reveal, oh, oh my God, I'm going to cry. It's so sad. This is the first time I think we actually see the body of a dead child. Yep, you're right, because they didn't show us Ryan. It's Elias, if I didn't say that before. It wasn't clear from how upset I am. We also, I don't think, have spent an entire episode with, well, this happened. This is very similar to the ending of Honor. Which is wild because we're not that far removed. This is only episode five. This is like three episodes later to have such a shitty ending. Yeah, you're right. Bit of a Gina Silver where, I mean, this one was a little harder to predict because then they take, um, we, so we see it's Elias and at this moment they, you know, we hear TJ, the shooter going, get off me. I didn't do anything. Get off me. And then he pauses in front of, while he's being led away and he looks at Elliot and uh, Benson and goes, well, this is the line they gave him. Um, they said, you can't just let him kill a sister and get away with it. And they put him in the car. Basically, it was a revenge killing for Carly. Carly wasn't being treated like a victim. So this poor kid. This, so they're this, traumatized this, child. Right. Benson says, the cycle never ends, does it? And Stabler replies, welcome to the Gaza Strip. Executive producer Dick Wolf. Very <sighs> interesting timing with that I last know. line. Jeez. Down to that line, it is wild how you could have that episode today. Every single thing. Yeah. Overworked parents who can't afford daycare, so have to use like a less desirable option. Just like medical bills taking over your fucking life, you know, and you have to work two or three jobs. Don't see your kids because you're trying to pay for this stuff. Um Violence in schools has definitely gone up. School shootings don't even get us started, you know, like, I mean, and, and again, going back to the kind of the core, well, not the core of the issue, but the core at the end of there, um, where there's a big disparity between how people of color are treated when they are victims of violent crimes and how the cops investigate it. Because even when you look back at Shorty being murdered, Shorty was a Hispanic man and the cops were like, yeah, it's a it's cold, cold case after two cold days. days, two days. He was 23, but because he had a rap sheet. Or they knew him from, you know, being involved in 
different things. They didn't feel the need to look into it. And it's sort of like, you know, it's like, okay, fine. So yeah, he wasn't a stellar, he wasn't a stand-up citizen, but it's like, did you even look into why? Like, we don't yeah. know if he was trafficked. We don't know if he was being forced his whole life to do this stuff, you know? So it did raise a lot of important issues. And I will say um, the, I don't know if she's the lead writer, but one of the writers of this episode, Don Denoon, had this quote about this episode. This is the only episode I can think of that was censored. We originally included some statistics on handgun violence, but the powers that be were concerned it would offend certain people. In the year we wrote this, firearms killed no children in Japan, 19 in Great Britain, 57 in Germany, 109 in France, 153 in Canada, and 5,285 in the United States. I found that shocking and needed to write a story about it. That is shocking. I know. And... It's not getting any better. Yeah, I was going to say, and if you will look towards the future. (laughs) Was that the whore that lives near you that shuts her door loudly? (laughs) Yes, I'm keeping that in. You heard it. Yeah, no. Thank you so much for tuning in, as usual. Yes, thank you. Yeah, this was a bummer one, but I think we we did an okay job with it. I think we gave you some laughs. You tried. We tried. The squad will always do something little to make us giggle. Fortunately, we had Olivia. Sweetness. Sweetness. <laughs> Hold on, Elliot. I'll get him out. Sweetness. His government name's not going to work. Sweetness. Oh, that's me. Um, hey, get some rest. Um, don't yell at any, any strangers because you never know. And um, sorry, that's, that's more of a note for myself. Speaking <laughs> of little notes to myself. Stop eating so much dessert at night. You t- <laughs> You don't need four Tim Tams. Two is plenty. Damn it. Well, stay classy, San Diego. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Someday, join us for (laughs) season two, episode six, Noncompliance. And Melinda Warner's first episode. (gasps) Oh, my God. Okay, now we need like, we need something special. We might need to get champs and drink it remotely with each other oh just to celebrate. I, I love we have her. Been talking, we have been talking about this lady for like a year now. We've been like, and then when Melinda Warner shows up and everything's okay, I can't wait to hear what she says to make us angry, though. Well, she did bring us that lovely little quote from probably like 10 years later where, remember the one about how women were putting tampon, vodka-soaked tampons in their rectums? Oh, yeah. And she said, yeah. Gets them drunk quick and keeps their breath smelling sweet. We're going to call her sweetness. <laughs> Later, guys. Bye. <laughs>